So uh, we have seen as Jacob is returned into the land and he's met his brother Esau and there was that conflict that occurred between them and uh, they've buried the hatchet in a way and they're now at least peaceable with one another and in the circumstance Esau was insisting, you know, come with me and, uh, you know, let's return uh, and, and go to our homeland. Let's go to our home country. We'll go to Seir and we'll live together and, you know, we'll see this full healing of our family and our relationship and the Lord's will in our lives. And he gives him the assurance. Jacob gives him the assurance of, yes, I, I, that's exactly the will of the Lord and I want to do that. But you know, the wife and kids and the flocks are really tired and worn out. And we, ju we really just need to come at our own pace. We can't drive this whole large group of, you know, family and belongings along. We need to, we need to take it slowly. And so Esau departs. And rather than follow, as he had promised, he goes to Shechem. He does not do exactly what he said. It's, again, the nature of Jacob. As much as the previous chapter he's wrestled with God and had that encounter <laughs> where the Lord has said, what is your name? And he's had to confess, my name is heel catcher, Jacob. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm the man who comes from behind and causes people to stumble. That's, that's my name. That's what my name means. God says, well, you're not going to be Jacob anymore. You're going to be Israel, governed by God, right? I think every one of us has had an experience, probably, with the Lord, where we've heard the Lord speak to us about our character and our nature, the need to be born again. And we say, yes, amen, that's me. I need to be a different you know, person than I was previously. And we surrender to the Lord, and then we struggle to see that accomplished in our lives. As long as we live in the flesh, we're going to have to contend with the flesh. As much as Jacob has had this encounter with the Lord and heard from the Lord, he turns around and immediately acts like he always did previously. He goes to Succoth. Now, as we pointed out, for most of us, if we don't know the story, you read that and you think, well, how big of a deal is it? I mean, he's back in the country he's supposed to be, and he's just not going to the land of his family. Well, that was what in chapter 31 the Lord had said to him to do. Return to your family. Return to your home country. Go, go to the place of your family's dwelling. He gets just inside the border and goes to suck, which is not the will of the Lord. And because of that seemingly minor compromise, unfortunately, we have to read chapter 34. Verse 1. Now, Diana the daughter of Leah, whom she had born to Jacob, went out to see the daughters of the land. It seems to mean <coughs> that while there were lots of young men around for his sons to work with and to enjoy themselves with, that there weren't that many around for his daughters to associate with. So she ventures away from the family in order to go and find friends. Now when Shechem, 
the son of Hamor, the Hivite, prince of the country, saw her. He took her and lay with her and violated her. It's a painful verse to read. Now, I will agree as we read it that this young woman may be as guilty as this young man. There, there are those commentaries you're going to read that imply and insist that <laughs> this was outright rape, that what Shechem did to Diana was to, you know, just basically uh, force her and violate her sexually in an act of rape. That's not what the verse is implying. Okay, we in our culture are so polluted that we don't think of violation in the way that the Scripture describes it, right? A man to, ha a man to have intercourse with a woman outside of marriage is to violate her. That's what the Scripture teaches us very clearly. And, you know, so even if she's in this place of willful participation, that, that she, as a young woman, just has this, you know, urge in her heart, and here's this attractive young man who coerces her into the situation, uh, it still has violated her purity. Whether it was him forcing himself on her, or whether she was willfully participating in it, it was still that she was violated. Verse 3, his soul was strongly attracted to Diana, the daughter of Jacob. And he loved the young woman and spoke kindly to the young woman. So there seems to be a tender affection in his demeanor and in his behavior toward Diana. But, again, he doesn't have the integrity of heart to treat her properly. There's so many lessons here about the desire of the Lord. You know, we have become so watered down, so violated and polluted in our culture, that we read an occasion like this, and our sinful heart might almost want to agree with the circumstances. It's a terrible thing people don't realize that without that contractual commitment of a person's life to someone else, to engage in the intimacy of sex outside marriage is going to damage the relationship for the remainder of its days. I don't know how many times I've heard young people say, well, you know, we really do love one another. I mean, that's questionable, right? Anybody in the room who's been married for any length of time at all knows that when you stand up and you take those vows of affection and love and commit yourself to marriage, that it's much later down the road when you begin to realize what it means to actually love someone. Whatever was burning in your heart as you stood there and gazed deeply into that other person's eyes at the altar becomes an entirely different thing when you've had about three hours of sleep for the last month. Right? 
when that child has woken you up for the 50th time in a single night, and you go, oh, you're exaggerating. I say, oh, you don't have children. You know. Man, patience wear thin, right? And you really begin to realize what it means to die to yourself and serve someone else and love them, right? We, we live in a culture that says romance will preserve the affection. No, that's not true at all. Commitment, commitment will preserve the affection. Being dedicated. There, there is a violation of the relationship when a person says, I will take from you that which is enjoyable without committing myself to you. I will commit myself to you later. Even if that commitment comes later, the fact the fact that they took what was enjoyable first violates the relationship. There's a difference. Okay, I'm dumbing it way down. There's a big difference between somebody saying, here, have this item. Just pay me for it later. When you have worked your fingers to the bone and earned every last red cent and walked in and put that sum down and then received the item, having paid for it in full, there's an entirely different thing that happens in your heart. There's an entirely different thing that happens when you have fulfilled the obligation first and then received the benefits thereof. Within the marriage, there I don't know of a single occasion, I don't know of a single occasion where people have engaged in the intimacy of sex before getting married and then gotten married and not had regrets years later. I don't know of a single occasion. There's always consequences to that. God wants this to happen in a very specific order, right? Many, most of us, some of us in this room have taken the steps out of order. Don't, don't feel condemned. Understand, understand that the Lord, I'm not saying that from the issue of, hey, we've all done it. I'm saying God can repair those things. God can fix the relationship. God will bless your marriage, your circumstances. But we do need to relay the accuracy of that message to the younger generation. That the proper order of developing the relationship is commitment first. Making that vow standing before God and man and saying, I'm committed to life with this person. That's the proper order. Taking the steps out of order, <coughs> there are always consequences to it. So, you know, there's 
no doubt here that you know this young young man's expression you know he may be sincere in his love <coughs> for her but again he's taking these steps out of order he's speaking kind of so shechem spoke to his father hamor saying verse 4 get me this young woman as wife and jacob heard that he had defiled dinah his daughter now his sons were with his livestock in the field so jacob held his peace until they came <clears throat> there's a certain degree of cowardice here you know a father <laughs> that will not speak to the family that has violated his daughter is waiting for his sons to return they're out in the open field which is very common that they would take the animals and graze and stay with them in order to protect and preserve their flocks and their herds and you know as they came back then he speaks to them verse 6 Hamor the father of Shechem went out to Jacob to speak with him sons of Jacob came in from the field when they heard it the men were grieved and very angry because he had done a disgraceful thing in Israel by lying with Jacob's daughter a thing which ought not to be done now it's uh, the sort of thing that you read in the Old Testament and you move into the New Testament and people are trying to find loopholes and say, well, you know, this is the Old Testament. This is the law. This is an ancient culture. And it doesn't really apply. We live in, you know, it doesn't apply. We live in the age of grace now. Nowhere in the scripture do you see the standard changing at all. Any time that okay the world is going to continue to change its standards continuously right we know that once you start moving the lines the lines never stop drifting in, in proverbs when it tells us do not move the ancient boundary markers now that specifically is talking about property and land ownership right you know, if, if you've got your survey pins on the corner of your property, you can't sneak over there in the middle of the night and pull up your corner pin and move it 20 feet onto your neighbor's property so that you just took, you know, all that much more space as belonging to you. It specifically is referring to ownership, but it also pertains to all of these biblical principles. I can't take something that God has defined the boundaries of, pull up the pin and say, well, I don't really like how restrictive this is. This is trying to confine me to marriage between one man and one woman. So I'm just going to pull up this pin, this spiritual marker, and I'm going to move it way over here. So now all of this behavior is inside my territory. You can't move what God has established. Okay, and, and I don't mean you can sneak around and move it. No, what you're going to find is God has positioned those things very exactly and belongs knows where every one of them belong. So if you've moved them in your heart or mind, or even if we as a culture collectively all get together and agree, yes, we're going to move the markers. God isn't tricked by that. God doesn't go, okay, well, all right, if you all agree 
to move the pin, then that's fine. Go ahead and move the pin. Once you start moving the pins, people start saying, oh, well, okay, <clears throat> you moved it that far for yourself. I'd like to move it even farther. And they change things dramatically. We just legalized marijuana here in the state of Maine. <clears throat> just We did it a couple of years ago, and we're still working on how they're going to allow for the retail sales to go on in this state. There have been several articles published in the Bangor Daily News, even though it's a liberal piece of garbage, but um, <clears throat> I tend to hold my opinions to myself. Um, the, uh, the articles uh, all pertain to the legalization of marijuana in Colorado and the things that we as a state can learn from their error in doing that. You know, when you're talking about, <coughs> you know, um, uh, highway deaths where they're able to do uh, the blood work, uh, whenever there's a fatality, they, they draw blood and uh, test the driver. Uh, you know, when fatalities have increased 700%, you know, in a place where there were none, there's now seven due to cannabis consumption while driving. You know, overdose deaths of children. You see, you can't overdose on marijuana. You can on edibles. You know, when mom buys a $100 cookie that's supposed to be cut into, you know, four or eight pieces, goes home, eats, two large pieces, blasts it out of her mind, passes out and leaves that on the coffee table and in walks Junior, who just sees chocolate chip cookie, eats the rest, and now he can't breathe. Yeah, dramatic things going on. Move the pin, right? Just that which was clearly defined as a gateway drug that can be addictive and abused now is commonplace you know people don't think about the fact that you know some of the worst or most horrific things that happen along these lines all are alcohol right a drug that has been legal do you guys know that a hair right you guys have all heard about like heroin withdrawal right you know oh my goodness you know a person using heroin stops using heroin and oh the, the tremendous withdrawal that they go through. You know what a lot of the jails do when somebody comes in strung out on heroin? Nothing. Nothing. They just let them go through the withdrawal. Yeah, they're going to be sick and have flu-like symptoms and vomit and just be in horrible shape, but they're not going to die. Alcohol, on the other hand, they have to put them through treatment because they can go into convulsions and literally die from alcohol addiction. Alcohol is far worse in its effect. Right? Move the pin. Make it acceptable. Everyone drinks. Right? No problem. Move the pin. Marijuana's fine. You know what Colorado wants to do right now? Legalize psychedelic mushrooms. 
We laugh. The bill's already been put forward. You know what I think? I think it's going to happen. I think it's going to happen. Have you seen these liberal lawmakers who have just taken power? They've started moving the pins, you guys. They've started moving. What is marriage, right? People will want to have multiple wives, multiple husbands soon. Soon. There are already large organizations that want this once you redefine marriage. Right? Oh, a woman and a woman, a man and a man, that's all fine. Once you move that, why can't we move it somewhere else? Once you say God is not the authority, let's just move all of this around. When I say people are going to want to marry their animals, we chuckle. They're doing it in India. Move the pins, move what God has defined, and it never ends. Once you do not respect God's word, once you look at it and say, that was written by men, or okay, maybe it was written by some, you know, God, and he had an influence over men, but it's changed over time, and it's just, or, or, it's just for an ancient culture, it's not for us. If you do not grasp the concept that this is God's written word for the human race, and hold to that, Everything falls apart. You know, I appreciate what certain organizations are doing inside Christianity to preserve the marriage, right? And the family. I appreciate that. But the deterioration of the family is a symptom of the rejection of God's word. It isn't that, oh, we just need to get families back together. We need to just keep, what do we do to help husbands and wives understand one another and stay together? Yeah, that's a symptom. I'm terrible about that, treating the symptoms, right? Just, you know, have a he sinus headache for, you know, three weeks. Just Sudafed, Tylenol. Until... It's just overwhelming, you know, and you finally go see the doctor. And he's like, wow, you've got a raging sinus infection. Where if I had gone in in the beginning and treated the root of the problem, right? I'm terrible about that when it comes to physical things. Teaches us lessons about treating the symptoms, returning to God, returning to Jesus Christ, returning to his word. Submitting ourselves to his spirit. Here, these things ought not to be done. Verse 8, but Hamor spoke with them, saying, The soul of my son Shechem longs for your daughter. Please give her to him as wife. And make marriages with us. Give your daughters to us, and take our daughters to yourself. So you shall dwell with us. And the land shall be before you dwell and trade in it and acquire possessions for yourself in it then shechem said to her father and her brothers let me find favor in your eyes and whatever you say to me i will give ask me ever so much dowry and gift 
and I will give according to what you say to me. But give me the young woman as wife. But the sons of Jacob answered Shechem and Hamor, his father, and spoke deceitfully because he had defiled Dinah, their sister. They said to him, We cannot do this thing to give our sister to, an, to one who is uncircumcised, for that would be a reproach to us. But on this condition, we will consent to you if you will become as we are. If every male of you is circumcised, then we will give our daughters to you and we will take your daughters to us and we will dwell with you and we will become one people. But if you will not heed us and be circumcised, then we will take our daughter and be gone. And their words pleased Hamor and Shechem, Hamor's son. So the young men did not delay to do the thing because he delighted in Jacob's daughter. He was more honorable than all the household of his father. Hamor and Shechem, his sons, came to the gate of the city and spoke with the men of the city, saying, These men are at peace with us. Therefore, let them dwell in the land and trade in it. For indeed, the land is large enough for them. Let us take their daughters to us as wives, and let us give them our daughters. Only on this condition will the men consent to dwell with us, to be one people. If every male among us is circumcised as they are circumcised, will not their livestock, their property, and every animal of theirs be ours? Only let us consent to them, and they will dwell with us. And all who went out of the gate of his city heeded Hamor and Shechem his son, and every male was circumcised. All who went out of the gate of this city. You've got to understand how blasphemous this is. This is not a minor violation, spiritually or religiously. The sign of circumcision is the sign of God's relationship with these people. And what the sons of Jacob have just done is said, if you'll just take upon yourself the sign of our relationship with God, then we'll just intermingle and become one nation. Okay, Remember how adamant God is about the purity of His bloodline. Because from Adam is going to descend Abraham, is going to descend Jacob, is going to eventually descend Jesus. The Messiah is going to come through this family. Jacob, this man right here, has been in massive conflict with his own brother Esau over the fact that Esau is out marrying women such as these. He's polluting the family bloodline that the Messiah is going to come through. God is disgusted with it. 
Jacob has been separated from his brother because of it. And now they're willing to say, just do this and we'll all be one together. <laughs> now, most of us that know the story know that at the end, the deception is completely murderous, okay? But the similarity that I see is that there are many people inside Christianity that will say of their child, well, I know that this young man or this young woman that they're currently dating isn't a Christian. But he's saying that he's going to come to church with us. And so they're allowing the relationship to develop. There's a very dangerous thing. It's a blessing on the incredibly rare occasions when the young man or woman who's being drawn in by that relationship actually surrenders to the Lord. Okay, I'll say this. I personally don't know of any circumstances where that's happened. Young woman saying, I'm attracted to this young man. And, you know, parents and church leadership are saying, well, you know, he doesn't attend church. Well, he'll come with us. And he comes. What I've seen almost every time is the young person who's developing the relationship with the non-Christian falls away from their faith and goes the way of the world. That's what I've seen almost every single time. There have been a few occasions where conflict occurs and eventually the believer pulls away from the non-believer and they have to go through that pain. I've never personally seen it. I'm sure it must happen, but I've never personally seen it where the young believer develops relationship with the unbeliever and draws them into the faith. I've, I've never seen that. The Lord wants us to place our relationship with Him at the highest priority. When Paul is saying, be not unequally yoked together with an unbeliever, he's specifically talking about marriage. To, to develop that relationship, look, <clears throat> it's so incredibly cruel to the unbeliever. You've got, you got to take that approach, right? We understand the danger for the believer. You've got to understand what you're doing to someone who doesn't have a relationship with the Lord. They're going to be going through very painful things as they are being forced into circumstances that they don't have any relationship for. Have, have you guys ever read somebody, you know, like an old letter written to, you know, your grandmother or something that passed away, and you sit down and read that letter, and you don't have any clue who the people in that letter are or the circumstances are and you read it and like it's kind of neat you got nana's letter you know what i'm saying and you but you got no clue you got no idea what the surrounding circumstances are you know they're making these vague references to things that only the reader would understand this letter is written 66 books to the children of god 
And you and I are very blessed by it as we read and understand and develop a relationship. This is his love letter to us. You give it to a non-believer, none of this makes sense. None of it's written to them. They come in here, people singing, hands raised. Great. I'm hanging out with a bunch of Fruit Loops. What's their motivation? The appetite of their flesh. They desire a person. And so they're here to try and fulfill that. These men are looking at this possibility and what are they saying? Their flocks will, will be ours. Their property will be ours. We're going to get all this stuff to gratify our flesh. The believer that says, oh, that's fine. We'll just use that to draw them into the kingdom. You've got to understand how blasphemous that is. I'm, I'm going to tempt you with the appetites of your flesh. And once I get you inside the kingdom, I'm going to say, the thing I use to draw you in is very sinful and you need to repent of it. That's a really mixed up message to send to people. What kind of God do you serve that baits people in with things that then he condemns them with? This is not the character of God. This is not the character of God to behave this way. Again, any of us that have been through these torments, all this is is an encouragement for us to understand the clarity of God's word and to depart from this behavior. The, the, the fulfillment is in following God's will rather than our own desires. So, they're going to dwell with us. Everyone who went to the gate. And again, need to clarify that gate. You shouldn't think of it as just being, you know, the barred doors where people went in and out of the city. The gate of the city is town hall. That, that's what it is. If, if you were going to buy a piece of property, if you were going to be married, if you were going to exchange any kind of business transaction, you would go to what was referred to as the gate of the city, which was usually located at the gate of the city. And you're talking about city hall. So these men are entering into a legal contractual agreement with Jacob and his household. Now... And they've been circumcised. It came to pass on the third day when they were in pain. Pain from being circumcised as an adult. Eight days, relatively painless for an infant. The, the process is very surgical and very sterile. For an adult, it's a very different experience. Just the psychological scar of being circumcised as an adult is going to be a lot to deal with. The physical pain, they're going to be almost completely immobile. Things were not as sterile as they are today. Procedures were not as clean as they are today. These men are in a lot, they're in a lot of pain from being circumcised. All who went to the city gate came to pass the third day. They were in pain that two of the sons of Jacob, Simeon and Levi, Dinah's brothers, each took his sword, came boldly into the city, and killed all the males. 
And they killed Hamor and Shechem, his son, with the edge of the sword, took Dinah from Shechem's house, and went out. And the sons of Jacob came upon the slain and plundered the city because their sister had been defiled. <clears throat> Forgive me for putting it this way. I have witnessed many Christians develop relationships with non-believers, get married, then the believer and the believer's family begin to demand of the non-believer that they behave as a Christian. The conflict grows until the family and the spouse as believers are attacking the non-believer and his family with the Word of God, right? the sword of the Lord, and then, as the relationship comes to an end, they rip that woman away from that family and retreat into their Christianity. How incredibly cruel. How completely ungodly. That is not a reflection of our Savior. And honestly, that's a lot of what lies ahead for people who enter into those relationships. You're being cruel and ungodly to the unbeliever. Kindness and love should compel you to behave differently with them. Look, if you have a sinfulness in your flesh that's compelling you toward that unbeliever, that's the thing to deal with. What's wrong with my relationship with God that I'm having my flesh push me so hard toward a thing that God has declared is out of bounds for me. Forget, how am I going to fix this situation so I can get that person? Forget that. It should be an alarm in our heart and mind that says, what is wrong with my heart that I'm feeling so compelled to go after the desires of my flesh? It's cruel and ungodly to behave this way. They've killed everyone. They've destroyed them, plundered their city because their sister had been defiled. They took their sheep, their oxen, their donkeys, what was in the city and what was in the field, you know. Half in the divorce. Everything in the divorce. You know, and then the unbelieving family, because of the injury to their child, is left bitter and filled with a poison towards those Christians. Look what they did to our son, our daughter. Look how they've harmed. Yeah, exactly. How do you avoid this? Long before you get to the moment where those two people stand at the altar. And you try to intermingle the kingdom of God with the kingdom of men. We're children of God. Well, I'm so lonely and waiting. If you go all the way through life <clears throat> without finding a spouse, 
and you enter the presence of the Lord, you'll find your fulfillment in Christ there. I would hope that the Lord would provide everyone with the opportunity to be married if they desire. But violating the family of God in order to accomplish that is never the will of the Lord. And Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, You have troubled me by making me obnoxious among the inhabitants of the land. That's putting it mildly, huh? There's a pile of corpses. That's... I mean, if you want to say that's obnoxious, I guess that's accurate. But I mean, just, you know what I'm saying? I mean, if you've murdered an entire clan of people, I think people are probably going to say a little more than that guy's obnoxious. They might say things like, that guy's a murderer. His family are murderers. They're thieves. Obnoxious? Yeah. Yeah. Obnoxious, murderous thieves. You've troubled me by making me obnoxious among the inhabitants of the land, among the Canaanites and the Perizzites. And since I'm few in number, they will gather together against me and kill me. I shall be destroyed, my household and I. But they said, should he treat our sister like a harlot? Now, That is a legitimate question. And there is something to do about that. But it isn't a deceptive agreement that results in the murder of an entire group of people. There is a way to deal with that. A way for a godly family to deal with sexual violation of one of their children. God can heal that individual. God can restore that person. That I've seen countless times. Right? Many of us in this room are testimonies to that. Our own sinful sexual behavior having been forgiven by Christ and His purity restored to our hearts. God could have done that for Dinah. Instead, they've all got to have this history as a family. All of this because Jacob did not obey what the Lord told him to do. Return to the land. Return to your brother. Return to the dwelling place of your family. He returns to the land, he returns to his brother, and then says something that turns out to be deceptive. Whether he intended it to be deceptive or not, I don't know. But, you know, you go ahead, I'll meet you in Seir. I'm right behind you. And turns and goes right into Shechem, builds a home and barns and sets up his life and his daughter's violated, and now they've murdered an entire community. Because he didn't obey what the Lord had said about return to the land of your family. Go and dwell where you came from. He's going to end up back there, but it's going to be after he's experienced all this pain. 
we look at certain compromises and we think of them as minor, we don't understand how powerful and potent they're going to be when it's all said and done. Genesis 49, verses 5 through 7, at the end of Jacob's life. He's speaking to his sons about <coughs> their futures. And he says, Genesis 49, verse 5, Simeon and Levi, our brothers, instruments of cruelty, are in their dwelling place. Verse 6, let not my soul enter their council. Let not my honor be united to their assembly. For in their anger they slew a man, and in their self-will they hamstrung an ox. Cursed be their anger, for it is fierce, and their wrath, for it is cruel. I will divide them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. And that's exactly what the Lord did. Levi, you think, now isn't that the priestly tribe? Yeah, it is the priestly tribe. And they didn't receive any inheritance in the land, right? They were scattered amongst all of the tribes, which made them so that they could not band together and become some military force. When they were banded together by the Lord, it was to bring purity to the nation of Israel. And they used this fierceness to bring purity to the nation of Israel. Several times, God raised up Levi to bring them through his own people and purge out the sin. As far as them and their deception, God purges that out of their lives. They become a people that the Lord has to reach into their own lives and control them personally. They don't get freedom to just develop themselves. God puts his hand on them. Moses, Aaron, Levi's. They bring that bloodline to the priesthood because it's not fit for anything else. God has to purge this sinfulness out of them. God wants to do the same thing with us. Whatever failures are ours, whatever struggles and challenges, even in our sinfulness, that we have had or we do have, God wants to refine those things for his purposes. To wrench the sinfulness out of it and use that which is good for his own purpose. Compromise. The things that we do that seem to be so minor. Today's memory verse reminds us God will not be mocked. Whatever you sow, you're going to reap. We want to be very careful about thinking something is a minor decision. It could be cataclysmic, not only for us, but our families. Let the Lord minister to your heart. Let's stand and we'll pray. Father, I thank you for your love, your grace. Lord, I pray that we would hear your heart.
what it is you're saying to us personally. Help us to walk with you. Help us to submit to you. Show us those areas where we're looking at minor compromises, not recognizing the massive failures that are in those places. Help us to be men and women who allow you to purge out of us the things that need to be removed. Guide us. Use us. Lord, as much as Jacob is saying, I will not submit to their counsel. Lord, help us to submit to your counsel. To walk in the counsel of your word. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.